Okay, so we are in the final week of this series, which is called Thank Goodness. And this series is about being thankful and having uh, a heart. And so in this series, we've talked about having a thankful heart and what it means to have a thankful heart, what it means to do your best to live like Jesus, what it means to do your best to live uh, in a thankful way, which doesn't mean that you don't feel bad about things. It doesn't mean you don't want other things. It doesn't mean that you're not unhappy sometimes. It means that you are able to recognize those things in yourself and able to show thankfulness and able to show love and able to be like the one of the 10 lepers that went above and beyond to show Jesus gratitude for what he'd had. Uh, now, he obviously had had a tough life. He had leprosy and was losing skin and arms and all these other things, probably just one or two. Uh, but it was a tough life and it was difficult. I guarantee you there were times throughout his time with leprosy that he was like, this sucks because it sucked. But when the time came and he was rewarded, uh, sometimes we, even when we get what we want, we kind of start to think, well, I don't want it that way, or I want it differently, or I want it like this, or I want it exactly like this. Uh, and it's hard for us sometimes to be grateful in that way. But to have that kind of heart set such a strong example more than anything we could say. Uh, and then going from that, we talked about having a loving heart and about how Jesus literally said, hey, Loving people who love you, that's good, but literally everybody does that. Like serial killers and bad people and people who went to Purdue, they all do stuff like that. Uh, but to love your enemies, to love people that hate you, to love people that persecute you, that's a step above and beyond. And it's important, again, to note that if somebody's abusing you or if somebody picks on you or somebody's mean to you, you don't have to keep them in your life. But often we put forgive and forget together and we think, well, if I can't forget what they did, then I can't forgive them. That's wrong. You shouldn't forget what happens to you. But to forgive means you don't hold it over them and you don't hold it over yourself. Um, and it actually helps you more than someone else. And we talked about revenge and how he's like, hey, don't do this. Uh, there's an old saying throughout history that if you are going after revenge, you need to dig two graves, one for the other person and one for yourself because you're killing yourself basically uh, with anger and you're ruining your life and everything. If you think about grudges and you think about people that you dislike and you think about people that just drive you nuts, and I'm talking in a bad way, not in like a fun way, but uh, think about people that maybe you've had a grudge against and let's say you wake up and like you just, their name crosses your mind or you see something that reminds you of them and you're like, man, this just sucks. I can't stand them. And you're just so angry all the time. And they don't know that. Like you're only hurting yourself is my point there. Like they don't wake up thinking, I wonder if anybody's mad at me today. Uh, and so, like I said, it doesn't mean that you let people walk all over you. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that you show love no matter what. It means that you are a better example. It means that you do your best. And so this week, we're going to talk about a growing heart. And we are going to talk uh, just about what that means to continue growing in wisdom and continue growing in faith and continue growing in our example. So this is Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere... I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich in glorious inheritance. So this is from Paul, and he's writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. He's writing a letter to people that he had helped bring to Christ. He's writing a letter to people that he had set an example for. And so they looked to him as a spiritual mentor, as a spiritual leader. They looked to him as a pastor, as a missionary. They looked to him as a disciple. They looked to him as an example of Jesus on earth. Uh, I want to go back on Paul, and you guys probably know this, some of, most of you, but Paul was not always looked at in that way. You see, for a lot of Paul's life, he was a Pharisee, and he was 
not one of the ones that just stood around. He's one of the ones that went out trying to kill Christians. And like, this Jesus thing is wrong, and I hate it, and I don't understand it. And so he went out to arrest people and do worse to people. He stood there as one of the disciples' followers, one of the disciples' uh, converts, one of the disciples' friends was murdered. Uh, and, and he stood there, and he was fine with it. And so that guy, his name was Saul, then he changed it, you know, huge from Saul to Paul, just so nobody would realize that it was him, no. Uh, but anyway, it's, um, it's looking back at that, no one that's in this Ephesus church would have thought, that's the guy that I'm going to trust. That's the guy that is an example for me. But Paul showed tremendous growth. So it, it happened because Jesus confronted him. And he blinded him, and he's like, hey, your life needs to change. Uh, we might not get confronted in that way, where like you're literally blinded, but you're going to feel confrontation at some point. Like in some way, God's going to get a hold of you or a hold of other people and be like, hey, this is the wrong choice. Hey, you did the wrong thing. Hey, you're better than that. Hey, you should be better than that. Hey, you shouldn't treat people like that. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you shouldn't drink that. Hey, you shouldn't smoke that. Hey, you shouldn't whatever. And they're going to, he's going to call you out in some way. Now, a lot of people are like, eh, it's nothing, I'll be fine. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, a lot of people are like, when I'm, when I'm out of high school, then I'll really get serious about being a better example. I'll really get serious about, you know, studying and being a better person and treating people better and being a Christian. And, you know, you get into college, you get into the workforce or whatever, wherever you go, and you're like, you know what, I just need to have fun right now. I need to do the short-term stuff. I need to do what, what makes me happy. That's one of the dumbest, sorry, that's one of the dumbest things people say is, well, I just want to be happier. I just, they should just be happy. There's nothing wrong with being happy, but if you live your life to where you're like, everybody should just be happy, that's really dumb because what makes somebody happy changes and it may change you and it may not be what makes you happy and et cetera, et cetera. There's so much more to life than just seeking happiness. What joy means, what true happiness is, is when you find where you belong and you live how you know is right, then the happiness comes in in different ways. And it doesn't mean you're happy all the time, but it's different than just chasing it constantly and the goal line always moves. It's like if you're a runner and you're running a race and as you're running, like the finish line, the person keeps moving it. Or like you're playing football and you know, you're going for the first line and they just keep moving the chain and you can't, never can get to it. That's what it means to just be like, I just want to be happy. Because that's going to change. Because when you're a kid, being happy means you eat ice cream and you watch cartoons. When you're uh, a little older, being happy means not having homework and not having chores. When you're a little older, at like a teenager, it's eating ice cream and watching cartoons. When you're a little past that, when you're in college, happiness means something else. When you're an adult, happiness means not having debt and bills. When, when you're beyond that, like happiness always changes. And so again, there's nothing wrong with doing your best to have a comfortable life and, and have happiness. But when you're just like, ah, just let them do whatever they want and be happy, that's not helping anybody. Because we're meant for more than that. And so what Paul did is when he was confronted, he could have said, yeah, but this makes me happy. And you know, People are like, but you're killing people. It's like, yeah, but it makes me happy, and I want to be happy. And we'd be like, that's insane. And yet we allow people and we allow ourselves sometimes to uh, kill people in different ways, with anger, with cruelty, with grudges. We allow people, we allow ourselves sometimes to get caught up in, in drugs and alcohol and, and sex and all kinds of things, which is killing us in different ways. And all in the search for short-term happiness, all in the search for this feeling of comfort, this feeling of belonging. And Paul could have done that. When Jesus blinded him, he could have been like, you know, I'm blind now, but I still have this hatred to keep me warm. And I still, I don't care. It's just an accident or this happened. It's not really Jesus talking. I just, I imagined it. Even though I'm blind, I just imagined it. And he could have done that. But what he did 
was he stood up and he went with the people that Jesus told him to and he ate and he got his eyesight back and he immediately, instead of saying, oh, that was, you know, that was nice, I'm good now, immediately he started preaching, immediately he started living for Christ, immediately he changed. Now, this isn't like somebody who uh, was a Baptist for a long time going to become a, a Methodist or a Nazarene and then like suddenly changing, like that's kind of similar things. This is like somebody who was so against Jesus and his way of life and so against his followers that he saw nothing wrong with them dying for it. And then immediately he became one of those followers when he was called out. That's a huge change. And so like that takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of care and it takes a lot of faith, but also it takes a lot of courage because the people that he had chased down and persecuted, they didn't forget that. And so like when he would go to somebody's house, like another believer with the disciples, they'd be looking at him cross-eyed or sideways. I guess that makes more sense. They'd be looking at him out of the corner of their eyes. They'd be watching and be like, is he for real? And he's going to be questioned like that forever. Uh, I've known people in my life that didn't start out as Christians. And then when they became Christians, like a lot of people uh, would just remind them of what they'd done wrong and remind them of what they'd done wrong. And sometimes they were able to overcome that with help and with faith and with joy and with other people. But sometimes it just drove them back because they're like, nobody's ever going to see me different. And that sucks, but people do that to you. They will always remind you of your worst day. They will always remind you of your worst example. They will always remind you of, of the worst things you've done because it's so much easier to tear other people down than to build yourself up. It's so much easier to make sure nobody else changes for the better than to change yourself for the better. And so Paul could have done that. And he's not perfect, and he wasn't perfect after this. But when he's writing this, he's writing it from experience. He's like, guys, I hope you keep growing in Christ. I hope you have confidence because I had to have confidence. Uh, and I hope that you listen and I hope that you gain insight and wisdom because I had to find that. And so he's pouring that out to them and they're listening. And at this point in his life, some of them probably still were like, man, do you remember when Paul used to do that? But no longer were they like, I don't trust him because he'd proven himself. And it takes time for that, but it was because he changed and because he, uh, his heart grew and because his wisdom grew. We talked about this recently. We had a wisdom series and we talked about how important it is to gain wisdom and to grow in wisdom and how being smart is awesome, but being wise and being able to make good decisions and being able to help others is more important. Uh, that's something that's always going to be the case. That's something that goes with being thankful. It's something that goes with being loving. It's something that goes with being, gro being grown, growing. That's what I meant to say. Something that goes with growing. Something that grows with maturing. And I'm not just talking uh, like maturing like you're getting older and becoming an adult. I'm talking maturing like becoming a better person, uh, becoming who you want to be. One of the things that we find is we think about something that we want to do in life or somebody we want to be in life. We think about like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I want to have kids or I want to do whatever. Like I want to be exactly like Rob and, and, and call Tara Pookie and all these things that happen. And, and I, I want... I want this, and, I, and we think about that. Or we think of somebody that we look up to, and it's like, man, they are just the, the, the best Christian, or, or they are really good at whatever field this is, or they're just really nice to me all the time. And we're like, man, I just wish I could be like that. And we think that, and we think that, and we think that, and we never really do anything to get to it. Because like I said, in our minds, we're thinking, well, when I'm older, when I'm in high school, when I'm in college, when I'm married, when my kid's married. And we keep changing the goal line. We keep changing the finish line. We keep changing that. When Paul is saying like, hey, I'm by no means a perfect example because, again, as part of murder. But once I got it, once I was confronted, once I realized, I just kept going. And so once you realize that there's a better way, once you think about this is who I want to be, start becoming that person. 
Because that's who you can be. You don't have to wait until you're 50 or 60 or whatever else. Like you can start to do that now. You're not going to be perfect. Part of having wisdom and part of growing and parting, part of having a growing heart and a thankful heart means understanding that you're going to screw up sometimes. And Paul would say that. He's like, hey, uh, I, I still get upset sometimes. And I still question things sometimes. And I still have doubts sometimes. More about myself than about God. And I would say that for me. And some of you guys would like think about the ways that you're not perfect. And you're not. But Jesus is. And so that's what Paul is saying. He's like, I pray that your hearts are flooded with light. I pray that you feel such love from God. And for God that you realize you're worth more than this. You're worth more than short-term happiness. You're worth at trying, at being better. You're, you're worth more than getting stuck in a rut. You're worth standing up and being stood up for. You're, you're worth gaining uh, stature and wisdom. You're worth gaining maturity. You're worth gaining love because you are loved. And then he goes on. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only on this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So one of the things I like to talk about is identity. And this is something uh, that... I've talked about it for a really long time. It's something that's been at the core along with love God, love others. It's something that, that matters to me because everyone is searching for identity. No matter how confident you think somebody is, no matter how much uh, respect you give them, everybody is searching for identity, searching for where they belong, searching for who they are. And so we all try to find that somewhere. And it changes over time, but we all try to find that somewhere. So uh, a lot of times we try to find it in sports. We try to find it in being the best we can be, and that's awesome. Uh, a lot of times we try to find it in school and about being, you know, making good grades and do, just doing our best and getting perfect attendance or whatever else, and that's awesome. Sometimes we try to find it in a relationship and in being the best girlfriend or the best boyfriend or the best friend or the best daughter or the best son or the best parent, uh, whatever. Like we try to find it in those things. Now here is the thing, and none of those things are bad on their own. But here's the thing. When you find your identity solely in something like that, what do you do when it's gone? So just for example, uh, let's say that you play girls basketball. And let's say that you are just the greatest girls basketball player since sliced bread. Sliced bread was an amazing, made many all-star teams. But anyway, you, you, you're the greatest girls basketball player and you've got such amazing uh, a potential, like WNBA is literally already calling. And actually, Carol is a secret scout from the WNBA, and she's here for this. And it's like, you, you have that, and you love that, and that's who you are. And if somebody asks you who you are and why you're here, the very first thing you say is, I'm a basketball player, because you love it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But eventually, you're not going to be playing basketball anymore. Now, even if you make it pro, even if you go to the Olympics or whatever else, eventually... You retire. One of the things that's hard for uh, famous athletes is if you think about it, uh, other than Brady, like if you think about it, like Michael Jordan, for example, greatest basketball player of all time, when he retired, when he retired, he was in his late 30s. Uh, late 30s, even though it seems really old to some of you right now, is not very old. You have over half your life left. Most people in real life, not in sports, uh, they retire 60s, 70s, sometimes later. Uh, anyway, the point is, 
to have that much of your life left without the thing that everybody defined you by. Like literally everybody who hears the name Michael Jordan thinks basketball. And so uh, when you define yourself by that, if he defined himself by that, who is he for the next 60 years? Like it's so hard. So that's my point. There's nothing wrong with playing basketball. If you define yourself by the grades that you make, eventually there's no more school. Like you can go and get a doctorate and a double doctorate and a triple doctorate and whatever else, but eventually there's no more school. You can define yourself by your relationship, but I got bad news. Relationships end. And not just because people break up, but because people move, because people change, because people uh, die, because all these things happen. I'm serious. Like this stuff happens. And so if you define yourself by that, even by a daughter or a son or a parent, like if you define yourself by that, who are you when that's gone? And so identity is what Paul is talking about here. He's like, hey, so, and I've talked about this before with politics and like people kind of define themselves by Democrat or Republican or whatever now and they follow the political leaders and that's who they are and that's what they care about. Um, but if you define yourself by that and you follow that person, again, that changes and that person is imperfect and that person can be wrong or whatever. But he's like, hey, God literally brought himself back from the dead and God literally brought like did all these miracles and God literally created the world and God literally created all of us and God literally has done all of this created the universe and everything and he loves you and that's amazing and so if you define yourself by a child of God you define yourself by uh, a follower of God then that never changes that never changes because he's never going away because an eternity is an eternity that's forever and so that's what he's saying here he's like hey I pray that you recognize the greatness of God. And this isn't like a God is great, you know, I hope that you give him the respect, although that's important. This is Paul saying, like, I pray that you recognize that he's great and he loves you. Like, he's great and he chooses you. He's great and he thinks you're enough. He thinks you're valuable. He thinks you're worth it. He thinks that you're worth growing. He thinks that you're worth loving. He thinks that you're worth helping. He thinks that you're so important that he leaves us in charge of his church. He leaves us here to be his example. We are literally how people find out about Jesus. That's how important he thinks you are. That's how important he knows you are. And so Paul is saying that. And then he talks uh, about how the church is the body. Um, when we think about the church, we think about the pastor because that's who's up there talking. And, you know, he makes a lot of decisions or she makes a lot of decisions and, and hires staff and all of these things. And, you know, that's kind of the, 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 the face of the church in many ways. But if just the pastor was in a church what's he going to do? Like, who's going to pay their salary? Like, he's just going to stand up there talking or whatever, and nobody's there. And so then you have the congregation, and you have the people that run the sound, and you have the people that teach, and you have the people that sing, and you have the people uh, that, that, that answer phones, and you have the people that make sure the power gets paid, and you have the people, I don't know everything that people do, you have the people that run missions, and you have the people that are robbed, and you have the people that, that do all of this stuff throughout the church. And in our minds sometimes, we're like, well, yeah, but that's, but that's, but all of that is equally important. You see, to be a Christian means that you're a part of his church. It means that you're a part of his body. And you can think, well, but I'm not as much of a Christian as this person. Or people listen to them more than me. Or they're a better speaker than I am. Or, or they make more sense than I do. Or they uh, sing better than I do. Or they uh, relate to people better than I do. And I've had all these thoughts myself. But what Paul is saying here and what God said to Paul is none of that matters. Because we're all in this together. And he loves all of us equally, and all of us have the exact same chance to reach somebody. You see, and I've said this before, uh, no matter what you or I think of my ability to speak, and we probably differ on that, but uh, nobody who doesn't come here or somehow find the podcast will hear that. 
nobody. And there are people in the world who, if I were to go up to them and you're like to be like, hey, this is my youth pastor, listen to them. They're not going to listen. They're going to shut it off because maybe they've been hurt by the church or they, they don't care or they, whatever, like that happens. And yet there are people that do listen to me and there are people that do care what I say. Uh, there are people for that, that, that Rob or Carol or, or, or Tara uh, can reach that, that don't really connect with me in different ways. And all of that is true. Uh, I, you can have the greatest pastor in the history of time, like anybody, like Paul, whoever, aside from Jesus, the greatest pastor in the history of time, and he's pretty limited to whoever hears him, no matter what. And so in the world, we are all the examples of Christ. We are all the pastors, so to speak. You see, people and all the church stuff is important and the speakers are important, but what truly brings people to Christ more often than anything else is seeing the difference in the church and the world. It's not seeing the difference in us in the building, because that's easy. It is. It's easy to be a Christian in this building. It is. Uh, but it's when they see you in the world, and they see the choices you make, and they see how you treat other people, and they listen to you. And it doesn't mean you're perfect, and it doesn't mean you know everything, and it doesn't mean you know every scripture. But they hear the love for Christ in your voice, and the way you talk, and the way you think. They don't hear that. They might see the smoke, but they, they hear the love in your voice. They see the devotion to Him. They see your identity. And that's what helps people. That's what makes the difference. And that's why Paul is saying the church is a body. Because every single person that follows Him is important. Every single person is a pastor. Every single person is a missionary. Every single person, yes, we have different gifts in different ways, but we all have that same calling. We all have that same chance. And we all can grow. Uh, I just said this to confirmation. I've said it to you guys before. When I was... In college, I was terrified of public speaking to the point that I would take a lower grade. And I say that, but you guys don't understand that through second semester of my senior year in high school, I never in my life got below an A. So, like, grades meant something to me. Uh, I was defined by grades, not necessarily by me, but by people that were responsible for me. I was defined by grades. And so to be willing to take a lower grade just to not speak, that's legit. Like, that's true tear and, and just lack of confidence and all of these things. And so what did I get called to do? Public speak all the time. Uh, I still get scared sometimes. If you talk to me before Sunday morning especially, I'm not necessarily scared, but I'm very focused on just being ready for that. And if you talk to me after, I will have a much different opinion of how I did than you may. But the point is I do it because I feel him with me. And it's because I had to grow over time. When I first started helping uh, teens and volunteering in a church, I didn't, couldn't preach right then. I couldn't immediately do that because it took time. It took time to grow. Whatever, wherever it is you right now in your walk of faith, wherever it is you are as a Christian, wherever it is you are as an example, as a person, as whoever you are, as whatever you want to be, that's going to change. You're going to grow in every possible way, and you can mature, and you can love, and you can hope, and you can, your dreams will change, and your life will change. But through it all, you are worth it. Through it all, you are enough. Through it all, you are called to be more. And you are already complete. And you already have an identity. You just have to accept it. And so again, I'm not saying be perfect because you're not going to be. And I'm not even saying go to church every single day of the week and every single time. I love when you're here and you should be here. But what I'm saying is understand that in your heart, you already have an identity. And you already have this calling. You already have this chance to be a part of something so big 
And that's so important. And so many people need to see that and feel that. And so when you show that, when you accept that, when you live that out, even when you're imperfect, people see that and they're like, wow, you know, he messed up and he took responsibility for it. That's good. And you learned and you grow and you, you became someone different. You became someone better. You, you became who you wanted to be. And honestly, who you want to be may change over time. But if you find yourself with a heart filled with Christ and you find that your identity is in him and you can still have all those other things. You can still play basketball and soccer and music and everything else. Those are the only things I can think of. You can still do all of those things. But if you center it around Jesus and you center it around doing your best to treat other people with respect, doing your best to love everyone, doing your best to be thankful, doing your best to grow and to accept when you mess up and to gain wisdom and to gain faith and all of these things, then you're going to find that you're on the right path. You're going to find that you're going to be able to accept the things that happen. You're going to be able to deal with the things that happen. doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect because it's not going to be. But you're going to find that you're in the place where you have support and you have hope and you have love and you have people that are around and you have people that care and you have a chance to feel something that you wouldn't otherwise. And so whatever it is you want to be in your life, whoever it is you want to be, you can start now. You can start doing your best now. You can tomorrow wake up and be like, you know what? I'm going to be more forgiving or I'm going to be more loving or I'm going to be more patient or I'm going to be more kind and I'm going to start trying right now. And you recognize like, hey, I hope that I'm happy, but more than that, I'm going to do my best to be an example. I'm going to do my best to, to understand that my identity can't be changed because God loves me, and I'm going to show that love to every single person that I meet, and I'm going to do my best. That's all I got.